And Dr. Payne, we are right back at it. By the way, the phone lines are open. This is a call-in show, as it is on Saturdays at that time. Uh, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. And um, anytime, info at paincarecanada.com. you want to reach out to email Dr. Lou in the house and ready to go for another week. What's going on with you, pal? Not too much, John. How are you? I am awesome. <laughs> what do you want to focus on today? Well, I, I can guess, but yeah, I what think, do you think I think today we're going to take it back to basics and and do yeah. uh, spine related stuff. Uh, nice. We've dealt with a lot of extremity stuff over the last few months. Obviously, the last um, two weeks where you were on a bit of a hiatus, so that um, Greg Carrasco could run his show from uh, um, the auto show, the auto show uh, yeah. live. But we're back now every week, uh, same time, eleven o'clock every Saturday. Uh, and I figured today, yeah, I think we we start. Uh, we go back to basics uh, with spine-related pain. Uh, I mean, spine-related pain is, I believe, the first or second leading cause of disability um, in the industrialized Western world. I believe the only other thing that accounts for potentially more sick time off of work, for example, is uh, the common cold and flu. So yeah. uh, clearly something that everybody uh, uh, deals with at some point in their life, I believe, let me try to remember here. The stat is that 80% of the population will experience some type of spine-related complaint at some point in their lives. So um, that's that's pretty significant. That's not that's not yeah. you know one in a million. That's that's 80% of the population at any given time. And so you know, going from looking at the spine, um, obviously the the central part of our our whole skeleton sort of connects everything. We have uh, the the neck, the upper back, and the low back region. Neck and low back injuries uh, are more common than the upper back. Uh, the reason why is the the rib cage in the upper back provides a certain inherent amount of structural stability, so it's a little Makes less sense. common. Um, and definitely, low back pain being the most common, uh, mainly due to the gravity effect. There's more weight down there than there is at your neck, um, but the neck and the low back because if you were to look at a skeleton, you would see that, you know, very simply that the the thoracic spine or the upper back has the rib cage providing this uh, stability, whereas the neck and the uh, and the low back sort of seem like they're free floating there. And really the only thing providing them the structural support that they need are the muscles. But our muscles can very much fail depending on the things that we do, whether it's injury or repetitive strain, sprain, sprain or disuse and those types of things. Um, so starting up at the neck... Uh, and we'll work our way down throughout the show. Now, obviously, people can call in with any pain yep. or injury-related um, issue that they have. But, you know, as a, as a general topic for the show, I think spine-related issues um, are a big topic. Starting up at the neck, um, you know, when we look at... Well, forget just starting at the neck. Let's, let's talk about the spine in general. Um, spine-related pain sits very much on a spectrum. Um, about 90 to 95% of... Of cases of spine-related pain or what we would term non-specific mechanical pain, which just simply means okay. that there's pain that these people are having due to whether it be the joints or the muscle or the ligaments. Uh, but we call it non-specific mechanical pain, and we all group and we sort of group it together for um, one big reason is well, two big reasons is number one that the treatment that you're going to intervene with is not going to vary all that much, whether it's a muscle or a joint or whatever. Um, and second of all, the prognosis on these things is pretty much uh, all seems to be the same. And so this nonspecific related pain that you deal with um, is very much the, 
you know, the, the things that we always hear about the people with the chronic issues, there's no real structural problem. There's nothing on imaging, uh, nothing in the clinical exam. And again, we term this non-mechanical uh, spine-related pain. We usually specify to the area. So if it was in the low back, we would say it's non-mechanical low back pain. So uh, that's the, the vast majority of spine-related cases um, that exist are, are this mechanical-natured uh, pain. We have about 5 to 10%, depending on what area of the spine we're dealing with, that have a specific cause. And these are things like stenosis, uh, disc herniations, uh, potentially more serious things like spinal tumors or osteomyelitis, which is an infection, um, autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis. Um, and so these are 5% of spine-related cases. So most often when I see a patient that has a spine-related complaint, the, I find the biggest thing they're often worried about is that this is something serious, that this is yeah. the 5% of cases. Well, what's common is common and what's rare is rare. So again, 95% of cases are um, this uh, non-specific mechanical pain. But even within that 5%, like things like a disc herniation or spinal stenosis, although very significant in terms of the pain it may cause and the dysfunction it may cause, um, and the limitations that it, it can arise from it, it's not life-threatening. Um, and so a lot of times I find people are, are afraid of the most uh, life-threatening uh, instances of spine-related pain, which again probably accounts for less than 1% of the, of the wow. cases of spine-related pain that exist. So, so the chances of, of you having pain and it being due to something very serious is, um, is unlikely. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be checked out because, you know, if you are that less than 1%, then the earlier you catch these things, the the sooner you are to intervene and likely prevent um, anything bad from happening. Um, and so that's sort of a quick synopsis in general, and we'll go in depth in, in as the show progresses. But when we're dealing with spine-related pain, again, the vast majority, 95% of cases, non-specific mechanical pain. So these are things, pain arising from the muscles, uh, the joints, the ligaments, um, and some of the tendons versus 5% of cases, which can encompass things that are a specific diagnosis, things like uh, a true disc herniation with nerve root impingement or spinal stenosis or um, things like spinal tumors or primary tumors of the spine, which those things tend to be much, much more rare. Hell of an opening salvo there, my friend. We'll, uh, we'll take a short break. And by the way, as you know, as I mentioned, as Dr. Lou mentioned, this is a call-in show. You have physical issues, pain issues, back or otherwise, please uh, bring them on. We'd love to talk to you over the course of the next hour, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Just getting warmed up, Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio. It is 11-12 on a Saturday morning out. Plenty of room, plenty of phone lines open for you, 416-870-6400, star 640. On your cell is the number. Call in, ask your questions, get them done over the next hour, focusing uh, generally on the spine on this show, uh, Dr. Lou, because so many people, I know I, I've lost count how many people, including myself, have some sort of back issue, whether it be upper back, lower back. And as you said, it's interesting that the rib cage provides some uh, stability for that middle part of the spine. But, you know, a, a friend of mine years ago once said, and it was basically kind of tongue-in-cheek, that, you know, it, it's funny, it seems like humankind stood up too fast. You know what I mean? We seemed a lot more stable on four legs because, like you said, the proliferation of back pain out there, it's, it almost seems true. Like, so many people have problems with their back. Maybe it's true. Maybe we should be on all fours again, right? Yeah, and, and you know, even if we consider not being on all fours, we are definitely... 
um, creatures meant to be in more dynamic movement postures versus right. the general, especially again in the Western world and in the industrialized world, the postures which we're often in, which are you know sitting or a repetitive strain sprain at some type of job. And so these things, I mean, like if we start up at the neck, one of the things that's become more prevalent, um, and they're actually talking about it, is text neck, which is you know essentially what all of yeah. us do. We're we're sitting there, we have our cell phones in front of us or our mobile device. Um, um, our hands are close together, which tightens our shoulders closer together, and we're looking down. So we're in this constant right. flex posture of the neck. And so um, actually in the last little bit since, since you know, smartphones have, have started to become prevalent in all forms, um, text neck or neck pain related to this is definitely up and more and more people. Now that would be classified under that nonspecific mechanical issue. Uh, of course, it's the same type of thing. But the root cause of this is... Um, being in that bent forward posture. And I mean, we already do probably more of that than we should in our day-to-day lives, even things like people working at computers um, or sitting at a desk and, and or students even just uh, being in class. You're, you're, sort of, you're putting yourself in that forward bent posture um, that causes your shoulders to fall forward. It's just natural because we're humans. We try to conserve energy. Um, and as our shoulders fall forward, our whole skeleton or the upper part of our skeleton falls forward, but our world is in front of us. So we then go and extend our necks um, and we put added pressure on the neck and create uh, generally what's called an upper cross syndrome um, which is just really an imbalance of muscular issues where on certain muscles are too tight and other muscles um, are actually becoming weak and too loose and so a lot of what we do with that non-specific pain when we're dealing with neck issues is trying to find the balance so what are the muscles that are tight and what are the muscles that are weak and we have different interventions for that so for the weak side um we're going to work on strengthening rehabilitation and those things and whereas the side that's uh uh, too tight, we're going to be working on releasing those muscles. So the right. therapy intervention matters very much. And, and you know, that's where the combination of the passive therapies like the chiropractic, physiotherapy, massage therapy, osteopathy, in conjunction with the exercise rehabilitation works so very well. And it's really that combination of passive and active treatment is really ideal for these nonspecific mechanical issues, which again, is 95% of the, the spine related cases um, that people are dealing with. So, you know, that means out of 10 listeners that we have nine and a half have this type of issue. Um, and so, you know, definitely posture related. And like you said, us being standing up too soon, but even more, I'll take it further, us being in much more static postures, whether it's at home, it's at work, um, in the car, you know, mo- the vast majority of people listening to the show are probably in their cars and they're in that type of posture. Um, and so those neck issues um, can very much and, and neck being defined as like your actual neck, but even sort of the shoulders, a lot of people will say their shoulder hurts. And then when you ask them to point to it, they sort of generally point to the area over the trap. Um, and so right. that's really classified neck up or back. That's not your shoulder. So a, a very, very common um, injury. Um, so that non-specific issue in the neck, but we also get the more serious things like disc herniations um, in the neck or spinal stenosis, which are things that can put pressure on on the nerves. And generally speaking, the younger you are, so if you've got pressure on a nerve, um, that will lead to uh, pain along that nerve. In the neck, those nerves go into the upper extremity, into the into the shoulder blade, and into uh, the hand and or the arm and the hands. And so generally. As a general rule, towards the younger part of life, you're more predisposed to disc herniations, and as you get older, it's the stenosis that's more likely a problem. Now, 
stenosis in the neck is you can also have what's called central stenosis, which is pressure on the spinal cord in the neck. This will actually create symptoms throughout your entire body. It won't just be in the upper extremity because it's affecting the spinal cord and wherever that pressure is will affect anything at that level and below. Um, and so that's a v- very, very rare, but a very, very significant cause of disability because um, once you have that type of pressure on the spinal cord, it affects so many different systems in the body. Um, and these people um, often need to uh, somehow manage that. And so, you know, when you look at generally the, the neck-related pain, and on that, we, we've already mentioned that the 95% of the nonspecific mechanical issues respond very well to the conservative therapies. We'll just term it conservative physical and manual therapies like uh, chiropractic, physiotherapy, massage therapy, osteopathy in combination with exercise. Um, You sometimes also have the other options that are required for managing different types of neck issues. So sometimes pain medication is is an option. Um, Sometimes injections. Uh, in different spinal nerves in order to remove the pain uh, is is important. And sometimes in cases like severe stenosis, where if you've got enough pressure on the spinal cord um, that's causing significant uh, functional limitations, then potentially surgery. So, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. I was actually being interviewed um, last week uh, by a group doing, a, I guess, a documentary on chronic pain. Um, and sort of, I guess, the theme around the documentary is the the opiate crisis and that you know yeah. pain management and i guess in a way they were really hoping that i would trash those other therapies like the injections the medications and the surgery but i couldn't because again my my view is that you have to match up the right diagnosis with the right treatment and definitely i'm a believer that in general the conservative therapies need to be utilized first uh before we move to those things and in very very rare instances should you be doing those other things uh but when they are required they're likely the best option so i'm not one to say that there's no you know opiates and and narcotics should never be used for pain management yes there is there is a time and a place should it be widely used as it has been no absolutely not um, and so that's an important uh, thing that I want to get across when it comes to neck-related pain. Now, again, going back to the simple research, 95% of cases are going to respond to that conservative therapy and won't require anything more serious. In fact, potentially even more than 95% of those things will, will respond to um, the conservative therapies. We're going to take a short break. When the uh, when the scanning and the x-rays don't match up with your pain in your spine, I want to deal with that because I know we've talked sure. about that before, and it's, and it's it's an interesting topic. Phone lines open, by the way. Still plenty of time for you to call in with your questions. Health-related uh, in general is what we're taking on, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1122, a lovely Saturday morning here. Dr. Payne Show is back with us. Yeah, took a brief hiatus for some extended shows at the Auto Show with Greg and we are back lovely now i know it was uh lots of fun right yeah well there you are shoveling watch your back it happens john john um, has a different definition of lovely lovely morning with all this snow no mine's like a beach and some blue water and a blue drink with a little umbrella sticking out of it that's my anyway i digress time to come Um, back to want to talk about (laughs) want to talk about when you go to a doctor or a radiologist, you get some X-rays, MRI, and your findings come back. Well, you've got some, you know, some some nice stenosis happening there, or a bulging disc, but there is no pain, or otherwise you're getting a lot of pain, but the imaging comes back negative. How how do you uh, how do you navigate that? How do you, yeah, no, it's and that's great. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's very very interesting to oh. to really look at that. So the the statistic on that, and I'm big on giving stats because it just will generally make people understand the correlation between imaging and physical exam uh, and somebody's pain, and that could be any type of imaging, whether it's an X-ray or an MRI or a CT scan for spine-related pain is about 50-50, which means if we took 100 people in the general population, um, 50% of those people would have um, some type of uh, observable deformity or something that's wrong on MRI. The reality is there'd also be 50% of those people that have likely pain. The interesting thing is that those two groups of 50% would not match up necessarily. It would probably be 50-50. So so we would get some people, like you've said, that have a tremendous amount of pain. Um, and you would almost think like, wow, there's got to be something there. And then you look at the images and it's absolutely clear or, or normal um, or, or lacks any, any, phys- any physical finding. Versus you might have some people... Um, on the other end of the spectrum that have, when you look at their MRI in isolation, you think like, wow, this, this person's in rough shape. They, they're probably in a tremendous amount of pain, a lot of functional limitations. And then you see them clinically and it's like, no, they, they seem to actually be managing it pretty well or not, or there's no issue whatsoever. So it's very, very important that, and the reason why this is important is that these things need to be correlated. You can't use one without the other. Um, and and I see this many times where I see people who come in and they've been given an an an, a, an imaging diagnosis or or an impression on imaging where it says oh there's disc herniations but then you examine the patient it's like yeah but you don't you're not symptomatic you might very well have and that that is very common you can have a certain amount of of anomalies within the spine that don't actually cause pain. Not all disc herniations cause uh, impingement on the nerve and, and create pain going down the leg. And so it's very, very important. And that's just one example. It is, it's so important that anytime, and I tell this to my patients all the time, and it's, it's actually mind boggling how many times I ask this and the same answer. It's like, I'll say to people, okay, they've had an MRI and I'll say, who ordered this? And they'll say, whomever, their family doctor, specialist, whatnot. And I'll say, did they also do a physical exam? No, no physical exam. And it's like, nice. well, how, how was it correlated? How, how did you, how did you, how are, how are you able to connect um, the pieces here? And, and the two things have to go hand in hand. And that's actually consistent for the rest of the body, not just the spine. But, you know, with today focusing a little bit on the spine, absolutely those things need to be correlated. And so don't just listen to the MRI or the CT or the x-ray diagnosis that you've been given if no one's actually correlated that physically. And there's plenty of people out there um, that have come to see me simply for that reason, just because they have that imaging, they know they have an issue, and they want to make sure that's the issue. There's a lot of times that I see people. And so you can have a disc herniation on imaging and you can also have pain but the pain is not a result of that of that uh, imaging it's also about correlating the right tests um, for the cause of the pain and so the big thing that I always look for is what is the pain generating structure what is your pain generating structure it's important we identify what anatomical part of the body is creating the pain that you're feeling and that doesn't always show up on MRI and you might just incidentally find 
um, these things. Now, a lot of these things just happen because, again, like you said, John, we've stood up too soon. We're, di- we're, we're more static than we are dynamic. So we're likely to have degeneration in the spine. We're likely to have disc bulges in the spine. We're likely to have some stenosis in the spine. These are just things that naturally happen um, and not all of them are significant. And so it's very, very important. And it's, and it's a great thing that you bring up. Um, to try to correlate those two things, to correlate imaging with um, the clinical exam, which is just as important as the imaging. And it's so surprising how many people just want an MRI or an X-ray and don't even care. Like even as patients, they come in and that's what they want. And it's like, yeah, but I'm going to do a physical exam. It's like, yeah, but I want that. It's just as important, potentially even more important than than the imaging because it tells us so much when a, a, someone with good clinical acumen is is doing that. Someone who understands um, what the what pain generating structures can be. Having said that, if you get a patient in your office and they've uh, you know you've ordered or you're, or you're seeing some MRI or some some x-rays and even though they're not feeling pain in whatever structure looks to be out of whack is it sometime a precursor going man yeah i know you're not feeling this yet but just have an eye because this looks pretty severe and eventually it could be painful absolutely and and this is and exactly and this is the component about correlating the two things and and sometimes yeah we would call that like prodromal where um uh, it's it's there but it's not necessarily causing symptoms yet and prodromal can happen for a lot of different diseases and injuries and things like that where functionally and that's the same thing as like it's like looking at the way someone walks right and and you could see their functional imbalances and things like that you can almost deduce based on that okay one day i wouldn't be surprised if they had like medial knee pain i don't necessarily like telling people from a functional perspective that stuff because then it's sort of you're playing between making them aware but also biasing them into believing that they may develop that. Um, but definitely things that are significant on MRI or imaging, yeah, you're absolutely right. Although they may not necessarily be uh, symptomatic at the point that you're seeing them, it is something to keep in mind and know that there is something there. And potentially if you know A, B, C, or D happens, this can flare up and become significant. So yeah, that's, that's a great point. And definitely imaging is important. Um, and, and the general rule, actually, for... Because a lot of people are like, at what point should I be getting an X-ray or an MRI yeah. if I've got um, some type of spine-related pain? And the general rule is this, that most simple uh, soft tissue injuries heal within six to eight weeks, um, okay. potentially as, high, as as much as 12 weeks. Um, and so after that point is really when imaging becomes uh, important if it's not gotten better with the conservative therapy. But we'll continue that discussion. We have to take a break, um, and we'll we'll continue on the spine topic. Lots more to go, and the phone lines are open for you. It is a call-in show. After all, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Dr. Payne Show is 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You know, it's funny, just as we were uh, going into the last break, you mentioned you, know, you see something on imaging. And it's a, it's a delicate balance whether you, uh, you know, you want to bring that to somebody's attention for the fact that, oh, well, they're going to dwell on it. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, no, hey, pal, you know, this isn't bothering you now, but I wouldn't be buying any green bananas. I mean, you're not going to do that, do that type of thing, no, right? But no. You kind of got to balance it out, right? You like, yes. tell this person and put it in their head? Like, I don't know, right? Well, you have to tell them, right? Like, it is important yeah. that you make them aware, but I guess there's a way, like, it's all about, I think, the delivery of the message and how significant right. you make it and, and if you let them know that 
you know, the reality of it. But it is a fine line that we play because there are times that I'd like to say nothing because I could tell that the person has an anxious personality and will likely right, think right. about it. But also then from a from simply the perspective of it's their right to know. Um, they're the patient. It's their health. Um, but, you know, sometimes there is that, that bias that can, can create the things that you expect it to create. So um, it is something to be careful with. Uh, but moving on from that, so we've dealt pretty well with the neck um, and moving to the upper and lower back. So one one big differentiating thing between, say, the upper back, the low back, and the neck, where this differs is in front of the thoracic spine and the low, and the low back, you have the uh, thoracic organs and the pelvic organs. And okay. so... It is very, very important. One thing to really consider with upper back and low back pain, is there ever potentially a referral from those organs that's creating the person's pain? And that is very, very common. Um, a lot of serious things uh, can refer pain to those areas, right? So an example is like kidney issues can refer to the right and left flank, depending on which kidney is the one that's affected. Um, potentially liver issues can refer to the upper back pancreatic issues. Um, the heart can feel like it's in the middle of the spine. Uh, if there's an issue with that, lungs can refer to that area of the, of the of the spine. So it's always important when you're dealing with upper back and low back pain that you consider the thoracic organs and the pelvic organs as a potential cause. Now, again, this goes back to this is less than 1% of of those types of things but it is very important and that's a big differentiating factor between um neck and then thoracic and lumbar problems is that you have to consider are these organs potentially referring this pain now there would be signs and symptoms and different testing that you could do to start to distinguish that um but definitely something uh that needs to be kept in any practitioner's mind and even you the patient if you're listening you've got these things um you know I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying this to freak people out, but you have to consider that these could potentially be referral pain. But any good practitioner with clinical acumen will very uh, very quickly be able to start to figure out if that, that's potentially a cause, and if so, get that investigated further. But again, the very, very, very rare, but you know, those things can create pain for sure. Have you seen uh, a positive increase in treatment? I'm going to focus now on lower because lumbar. I mean, gosh, I, I haven't. I know you've suffered from it. Most yep. people I know have some sort of pain at one time or another, be it chronic or otherwise. Have the treatments, as far as what you're uh, able to prescribe and physically perform on people, have they gotten a lot better, say, in the last 10 years? Um, I think the re- so have they gotten a lot better? There's no real new tools for right. for what's being done. It's really the research is much better on the timing of things. And so understanding when these things need to be utilized versus when they shouldn't be utilized. Um, and that's be making a, a significant difference in prognosis. So an example of that is let's take um, car accidents um, and people that sustain like whiplash and sprain strains mm-hmm. due to some type of high-end collision. So... Once upon a time, the thought was like you went to a clinic and you started getting the chiro, physio, and massage stuff um, done. And then, you know, as that progressed, um, then you started doing maybe some exercises and so on and so forth. Now, massage therapists are going to hate me right now for what I'm about to say, but I'm not saying this to be against massage therapy. It's it's like anything. It's I'm never against the surgeon or a massage therapist or a family doctor. It's just the right place of time. Um, and right. so... Some of the new research around the guidelines for these types of injuries, whiplash-associated injuries, 
is that there, there's actually a thought that those types of passive like soft tissue therapies like massage and general soft tissue massaging should actually be avoided in the beginning of those injuries um, and that very much the focus should be on the rehabilitation first. Um, and the reason there's, there's sort of two reasons to that. Number one, who doesn't like a massage? Let's be honest. Massage feels great, and people think that that ends up becoming the solution. It's like, well, you know, if the insurer is going to pay for my massages, that's all I want to get because it makes me feel good. But just because it makes right. you feel good doesn't mean that it's necessarily the long-term answer for the injuries you may have sustained. So that's problem number one. Uh, problem number two is it's a passive intervention and not an active intervention. And so there's a big push towards more the chiro and physio treatments where the, that person can actually be working with you in an active manner. Now, a massage therapist can also work with you in an active manner, showing you exercise and things like that. But the patient needs to be understanding of that. Most people that would see a massage therapist expect them to be getting a massage and not necessarily exercises and things like that. Um, so in general, the soft tissue therapies um, are not as great in the beginning as we'd like them to be. And so that's a big difference from 10 years ago. Now, although all of those things existed 10 years ago, we're definitely starting to understand the impact of when we apply these uh, different interventions. It's the same thing like what's happened with the opiate crisis, right? Like once upon a time, that was almost the front front line um, treatment of these types of issues. Oh. Well, we now understand that that's not good. It creates addiction problems. It, it gets people... Um, uh, you know, uh, stuck on these medications and they're not dealing towards solving the, the problem. And yeah. really the big thing here is that the, the big solution towards these problems and solution meaning management is the active component, people getting physically fit again, doing the exercises to strengthen these muscles, these ligaments, these joints. And it's just so much easier to take a pill or go get an injection or get a massage or get manipulations. Um, and this is the problem, right? It's it's understanding that that I believe is the future of spine-related pain is for the, the average person to really understand that, that really it's about what you do. It's sort of a good example of this, too, is um, I forget when this was. The World Health Organization was talking about um, cancer. Um, and, you know, like if you think back to 30 years ago, everyone used to be like, you know, one day I hope there's a cure to cancer. And we're, we're, we're quickly starting to realize, number one, how complex cancer is. And number two, that like there's not likely going to be like just some magical pill that you take. Like if you're diagnosed with cancer, you pop this medication and then it goes away. What we're really starting to understand are what are the things as a population we need to be doing to prevent. And prevention is, right. is really becoming the key in cancer care. You very rarely hear anymore about a cure, a cure. You're actually hearing about better treatment, better treatment. How do we treat it better when it does happen, but more so as a population, what things can we do to really prevent it. Um, and spine-related pain is sort of the same thing. Number one, the goal should be prevention, um, To and there's ways to do that for sure. Um, and number two, when it does happen, what is the right intervention? And and the timing of those interventions is, I think, the, been, the big difference in the last 10 or 20 years. We're going to take a short break at your phone calls. Isabella, I see you there. Hang on the line, and you as well. Plenty of time for you to call in. It is a call-in show. We're live, ready to take them, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. More Dr. Payne Show is on the way after a short break right here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, 1142 on your Saturday. Still plenty of time for you to uh, call in, ask your questions about your health. Bring them on, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale is the place to go. Isabella, thank you for uh, for hanging on. Good morning, Isabella. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Great. So what's your concern? 
Um, I recently had back surgery in October. Uh, I had um, what they call a micro discectomy yep. um, due to a large disc prolapse in my L4, L5 vertebrae that was hitting my sciatic nerve for okay. over a year. Okay. Um, and I'm still experiencing quite a bit of pain in the lower back area. Okay. Chronic, like debilitating sometimes. Yep. Um, and also I have some permanent uh, nerve damage in my legs as well. I'm just wondering because I've been going for a physio for a few mm -hmm. months now. And I'm getting frustrated because of the amount of pain I'm in. I can't do a lot of things that I used to do, obviously. Okay. And just walking for like a minute or two. Like I'm in How a... old are you, Isabella? I'm 45. Okay. And this disc injury happened a year ago? Um, well, I think it was just over time. It wasn't right. an injury due to something specific. Okay. Um, I had been suffering for about six years with back issues. Okay. Um, so it's a chronic. Yeah. yeah. And, and how long have you been doing therapy? Um, I started in December. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> I yeah. So I, I, I don't have, like, I don't know what to expect. Like, I feel like I'm going to be like this for a long time. Yeah. And I don't see like a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. So, so two, so two big things there. Number one is just your, like the things. So one of the big things that I look for to in a patient is, and, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, is their their disposition, their psychosocial disposition. Mm -hmm. Already the way you're talking without being a light at the end of the road and all those things, mm -hmm. that ruins, well, ruins the wrong word, but it diminishes your prognosis because there's the belief that you won't get better. Yeah. So number one, you have to start changing that thinking. Now, I'm not, I don't say that in like a haphazard way, like, oh, just change the way you think. You have to be using cognitive behavior therapy with a professional, like a psychologist or social worker. I've who, actually started that. <laughs> good, perfect. So that's great that you've started that. And that process, don't think of that as, okay, when am I finally done that? That's like, no, that's what you need to do over the rest of your life because that's the way you are. You, you focus on that, so you have to now do a couple different things. How do you accept what you have and not uh, make it more than it is? Like, it is what it is versus, oh, poor me, which I'm not... Again, I'm not trying to be insulting. I just want to get a, across the point. Um, and so how do you accept that as this is what you have? Um, number two, um, how do you try to distract yourself from these things? So that's the, that's great that you've started that. The second thing here is so far you've had sort of the right things where the thing about surgery is surgery is good for impaired function. So so if there's permanent nerve damage, unfortunately, that's permanent nerve damage. Um it won't fix the back pain. So when you when a surgeon goes in because there's pain on a nerve root and it's causing some type of pain down the leg or along that nerve, they're not going in there because they're trying to solve your low back pain. Low back pain like that is a combination of that deconditioning and the injury. So you're doing the right things by doing the physiotherapy. But what I tr really try to make people understand is this is something that you can, based on just what you've told me, has been at least the last six years of your life. I would argue it's probably more because these things don't just happen. Mm -hmm. They sort of progress. So you're dealing with an injury that's like at the very best case, six years old, or maybe as much as like 10, 15 or 20 years old. And you've only been doing rehabilitation from December and we're in the beginning of March. You got to be doing this stuff for like with someone like you, I would be saying you're going to be doing that for at least the next six months to a year formally in an office, but then continuing that stuff at home. And you have to look at this as should you be expecting improvements day to day? No, this is like, okay. you know what? 
it's like long-term investing in your RSPs. You're not looking, are you up day to day? But by the time you retire, are you in a better position than you were when you initially invested? This is the type of issue that you have. So you're looking at this. I would, I think a person like you needs to formally reassess how you feel about every six months. So in six months from now, are you better than you were today? If the answer is yes, that's great. You, it may only be five or 10%, but that's what it's going to take. It's just, it's a slow process because of how long it's taking you to get here. It almost takes you equally as long to get out of it or close to managing it. So it's a combination. So this is where a lot of people in your situation get discouraged. It's because of, for you to go end up in surgery, this is a long-standing issue and it's not an easy thing to fix. Um, and so it does take time. You can't get discouraged. You have to keep doing it. You have to keep consistent with the exercises that you're shown. I don't know. You're saying you're doing physio. I don't know what they're doing, but very much it should be you exercising and them showing you the things that you need to be doing along with maybe some passive therapy, but the vast, the vast majority of things need to be rehabilitation. And those are things you need to be doing every day, multiple times a day. Uh, the cognitive behavior therapy is very, very important potentially medication when required. Um, so I guess my general message for you is it sounds like you're on the right track. It's just a matter of you can't give up. This is not something that you can look at. Oh, will I be better by the, the summer? No, like this is it's been happening for so long. It's going to take you time to start getting out of it. But the worst thing you can do is at any point get discouraged and give up. So also focus on improvements of your pain, not just in intensity. Most times people just think I either have pain or I don't have pain and it's either an eight out of 10 or it's not an eight out of 10. Think of improvements in pain also with frequency and duration. So does it happen as often? And when does it, when it does happen, does it last as long? And that'll give you a better indication of improvements, but just don't give up. You're, you're, you're on the right track. I'm, I'm happy to see you if you like, um, and we can discuss further. I, I forgot to mention um, the actual disc actually came out and calcified, yeah. so I don't know if that makes any difference. So right now, I don't think I have much of a disc between that vertebrae. Yeah, and, the, and but you're 45, and a lot of people like discs do diminish over your life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you definitely have a problem, but. Again, this is where we start. sort of started with. A lot of people have bad things on MRI but don't have any pain. Um, and so it's a combination of things that we have to consider here. Um, and, yeah, those things definitely are significant. But that doesn't mean um, that you can't work through this. And, again, this is also about being realistic. Like, will you ever be 100% perfect? No. Like, oh, I that, know that. <laughs> yeah, that's not realistic. I've come to terms with that, for yeah. sure. Yeah, can you manage your pain so that you can live your life, do your activities of daily living, enjoy the things you want to do? Yes, absolutely. But you need to come up with the right plan. And I think in this case, the best... Um, thing is you see me we sort of see what you are doing see if there's anything that your team can add um, with my opinion and and sort of go from there okay okay great thank you so much no problem thanks isabella appreciate uh, your time as well 1-855-55 dr lou d-r-l-o-u is the number to reach out please do so and uh, take it from there we'll take a short break from here and get right back into it last 10 minutes of the show still have time to call in 416- 870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Pancho rolls on until noon right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Still some time, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. There we are. Be right with you. Uh, we'll get to Charlene here in a few minutes. We're talking about back pain, and uh, generally the thing that drives a lot of people nuts, Dr. Lou, is the old spine, the old back, right? So the back, yeah. So I think yeah. the message after this show um, that I'd really like people to get across is, 
or to understand is that, you know, the vast majority of these issues that you're suffering from if you have spine-related pain um, is often just nonspecific mechanical pain related to things like the muscles, the joints, um, and the structures, the other the other mechanical structures. And there are 5% of cases that are more worrisome and potentially leading up to more serious. Um, if you have pain, get it checked out. Do not wait because that's the problem. It's like we just spoke with the other caller. A lot of people feel these issues. They let it go. They let it go. They let it go. And then finally, you know, at some point in their lives, they're dealing with these types of issues. Um, the sooner you intervene, the better it is. So if you've got these issues, um, intervene as soon as possible by getting them looked at, getting the right protocols. The the earlier you intervene, the more likely the conservative things are going to be able to help you in and almost eliminate the issue versus the longer you wait, that's when you move towards the more invasive options uh, becoming an option. So if, the, if you're not a person that ever wants to deal with that and you've got some pain now where it's not at a, at a bad level or even if you have bad pain, Give me a call, come get uh, an assessment with me, and let's come up with a plan on what the right approach is for you because um, that's the best option that you have. Info at paincarecanada.com or one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. Moving on to uh, to Charlene. Hey Charlene, good morning. Hi, good morning. I was just wondering, last May I started getting um like a popping in my neck. Okay. And I know I have arthritis in it. Yep. And from there, it kind of progressed with um, pain, a different kind of pain. But then over time, it's gone to numbness in my face, half my neck on the left side below my ear, severe burning, tingling. I've had an MRI, CT scans. And this past week, I just had nerve testing done, mm-hmm. showing all my nerves are fine. Okay. And nobody knows where to go now. My left shoulder has dropped a lot. So now the surgeon's wondering if it could be because my shoulder's dropped that I'm getting all these sensations because the nerve testing came back fine. All my nerves are functioning. Okay. So now I honestly don't know what to do or where to go. Yeah, I, I, it's a, it's a tough one, Charlene. I'd have to assess you. There's so many potential different things. Like the neck, the nerves in the neck do refer to a portion of the scalp, uh, but in your face, those sensations are provided by the brainstem, which is higher than the neck. So that to me sort of doesn't make sense. So I'd I'd wonder, like I'd want to do a complete neurological exam on you um, and assess th- the cranial nerves as well. Um, to make sure everything's okay there. Sometimes these things are also like if you've been overly worried about this, um, anxiety can create these types of symptoms as well. So that's always something to uh, to consider. But it, it's tough. I, I can't tell you, you know, what you should do over over the airwaves here. I'd have to see you, assess you, um, and from there sort of come up with uh, uh, what the next step is. Yeah, because the pain in it is just absolutely excruciating. Yeah, it's, so come see me. I wake up screaming it so bad. Okay, come come see me and we'll we'll take a look at it and investigate further. Charlene, appreciate the call. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. Rich, uh, you're up next, pal. Don't worry. There we go. Oh, there he is. Hi, Rich. How are you? Good morning. Hello. Hey, Rich. Hey, how are you? Rick, sorry. Rick, sorry. Okay, I got a different uh, typed in the screen here. Go ahead. Please. 
Um, I just wanted to ask the doctor. I know you guys are running out of time, and I tuned in late. Um, okay. If there, I have a lot of uh, back arthritis from uh, Schuerman's kyphosis. Yep. I was diagnosed in grade 9. I wore a back brace, grade 9, grade 10, two full years, 23 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's my back is full of arthritis, so anything I do with my arms out in front of my body, um, my, my back muscles start to burn bad, yeah. really bad, and the pain starts setting in, and i got to stop. I do stretching exercises that a physiatrist gave me, right. um, and they. Uh, I used to get a lot of lower back injuries that would last for weeks. Um, since she's given me the exercises, things are better. Um, I guess I'm just wondering: is there any any other thing that can be done? I mean, the mm-hmm. vertebrae are wedge shaped, so I have a, an exaggerated S. Yeah, um, yeah. Sherman's Sherman's disease is a is a common thing diagnosed in adolescence. Um, it's very much treated with uh, the types of things that you've already been given. But here's here's the problem with being given exercises one time. is and, and I hate this approach where a doctor or a rehab clinic or someone will give you a sheet of paper and say, here are the exercises that are good for your upper back. And it's like you take this and you go away and you do it. If, if I equally said to you, if you said, you know, Dr. Lou, I want to lose 80 pounds. And I said, okay, well, you know, generally walking is good for you. So start walking 20 minutes a day. You would start doing that and you would feel like you're saying like, well, I feel better. Like I'm losing a little bit of weight, but I haven't lost the 80 pounds. Like I'm stuck. I've only lost 20. It's progression of exercise and rehabilitation that matters very, very much. So, so these things, giving a sheet of paper to someone is you know, I, I think a very haphazard way of, of getting this done. You need to give people, you need to show them the exercises they need to be doing. This is why they should be working with physios, chiros, and professionals that do this stuff is so that these people can walk them through these exercises. Every few weeks, you're coming back into the clinic, not necessarily to get treatment, but to get progression of the exercise. Um, because as your body adapts, the effects of the exercise will start to wear off. So you need to prevent the adaptation. So rehabilitation is not... When I ask someone, have you done rehabilitation? That word doesn't just mean, have you done exercises? It means, have you done progressive exercises that are progressively worsening and progressively challenging? Because your body's not stupid. It learns, right? It, yeah. it'll, it'll find, you know, it, it finds a way to get around it and make it simpler for yeah. itself. Right? And, and he's, and, and Rick is saying that there, he's saying, you know, that since I've been given these, it is better, but he, you could tell he's stagnant. And the reason why he's stagnant is because that sheet of paper isn't going to change itself. It's not going to tell you how to progress. It's not going to make it more and more challenging. And so um, you need to be doing those things and, and people need to understand that rehabilitation is a progressive process. It's not just, oh, I was told to do this stretch so I do it and it seems to be okay. Like you need to make that stretch harder. You need to sometimes get rid of that stretch and do different things. Um, And, and, and that is the progressive component of it that, that matters very, very much. Spine show is always good to have, man. Final thoughts before we break for this week. Final thoughts, same thing. If you've got this spine-related uh, pain, a lot of these answers are things that you can be doing on your own, but somebody needs to tell you the things you need to be doing on your own. Um, you need to come see me. If you're dealing with uh, any type of spine-related issue, give me a call, send me an email. John will give you that information and uh, and you know get get back towards getting healthy. We'll take it for a weekend. Lots of information there. You want to follow up? Simple one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, that'll be next weekend. The Doctor Pain Show on Global News Radio six forty Toronto.